Thanks for listening to audio from Rock Haven Church. For more information on our ministry, please visit us at our website at www.rockhavenchurch.org. Up to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. We've been going through a series on the article, uh, the 10 articles of the Statement of Faith of the Evangelical Free Church. And if you've not been with us, we're going to make this our journey over the next number of months. Uh, so uh, each article is concisely stated scripture about what it is that we believe. But there's a number of different applications that make that a little bit more in-depth study than trying to bang that all out in one Sunday. So we've gone through uh, the first article, which was about uh, God and what we believe specifically about God and his character revealed to us. Uh, sounds like tonight they're going to spread pick that up in insight, talk a little bit more in depth as we apply that to our lives. And then three weeks ago, we started in on the Bible. And Joel came and talked about uh, inspiration of the Bible. He talked about the canon of the Bible, what that means and why that's important. And then last week, um, Greg was preaching on the authority and sufficiency of Scripture in our life. And both of those guys did a fantastic job. Wonderful. I'm so grateful that they did. But I feel a little compelled to share uh, in part because of how much this means to me, uh, just kind of a little bit of a wrap-up in the form of a testimony in the time that we have left. And before we dive into 1 John chapter 1, I'm going to ask, would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are so very good. You move first, that we might know you. You sent your Spirit to call and, and draw us daring to ask questions about you and about ourselves and about what more there is to life. Gently and kindly, you illuminate our hearts, and you've given us this beautiful gift in your word that we might know beyond a shadow of a doubt what it is, your intention and your will. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this gift, and I thank you for this group of people. I thank you for your presence here with us and your spirit who is going to, is, and will lead and guide our hearts and minds so that our very hearts might be illuminated to the beauty and splendor and precious gift that we have in your word. Now lead and guide this time myself included, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This isn't my own testimony, but it's a story that I was shared with um, by a college student who, uh, I don't know, it's probably about this time of year. It's kind of a beautiful weekend. It was a, a last-minute impromptu trip. A bunch of guys in college decided to just kind of last-minute throw a bunch of stuff in the back of the car and go on a camping trip. And these four or five guys, I can't remember just exactly how many guys were there, but one of them was a new believer. He had recently put his faith and trust in Jesus, and he had done that because for the very first time in his life, he had spent time to seek the answers of God in the Bible. And then what's more, in doing so, he found not only what God said about his love, but about this man's great need for him, and so he just came to thoroughly enjoy his time in the Word. He, every day, would spend time starting his day, and he, he was just looking more and more to dive into this relationship that he had with God, his faith and trust in Jesus, but then growing to know who God is and who he was in this great gift of salvation, spending time in his Word. But then a camping trip came up, and in the haste and the last minuteness of it, right, they all throw their stuff in there, toothbrushes, change of underwear, everything they needed for the camping trip, Swiss Army knife. Off they ran, okay? He forgot his Bible. And the camping trip was just an extended weekend, and many of you would just say, ah, no big deal. But it was a big deal to him. They got back late that Saturday night, and they unpacked the car, and one of his dorm buddies walked by his room, 
And there he sat at his desk. Just holding it. One of his buddies said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I miss this. So precious, a gift that we have in God's word. See, I don't doubt that many of you in the room don't doubt at all. The canon and its closure, the, the perfect inspiration of God's word. You have no doubt that, that it's an authority to govern our lives, to lead us and guide us in the things that are good and productive for us, and that it's sufficient in all things. There's nothing lacking in that. I want to believe that. I mean, still believe all of those things to be true, too. I never doubted that in the whole of my life. It's just I never read it. And what God wants more than anything is He wants a relationship with us. Just like it had, just like He had before the fall, before sin. And see, without God moving first, without God calling us, without God giving, without God providing, we don't, we don't know Him, and we'd be forever lost. And so, knowing that we have such a precious gift. And what God wants to do, let's dive in a little bit to see more about the work of the relationship that God desires and what He's done for us. And I want to look at 1 John chapter 1. We've covered a lot of Scripture in the previous sermons on this article. I'm not going to read again for the sake of time because of that awesome Shamanah video. Uh, I'm not going to read the article itself. But... I would, and ask you to follow along with me as I read 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Uh, interesting enough, before I open my mouth to read this scripture, this is one of the, uh, maybe the only, epistle that begins with no salutation, uh, uh, or uh, what's the, no greeting. You know, if you read uh, Romans, uh, it says from Paul. If you read Galatians, it says from Paul. Uh, the, the Apostle John writes this letter, and he does not include his name at all in it. Why? Because this story is the story of God through His Son, Jesus. And every powerful testimony starts when Jesus was at work in my life. John records for the church, God records for us. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you eternal life, which was in the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you, so that our joy may be complete. The things which we have heard, seen. Indirectly, while he doesn't mention his name, he, he is talking about his experiences. That being John's time in fellowship with Jesus in his earthly ministry. John begins his uh, book, uh, the, the, the Gospel of John, much the same way. You don't have to turn there. But he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that 
wasn't made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and light shines in the darkness. Jumping down to verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, a glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. <sighs> Maybe an insight on a Sunday night to dive a little bit more, and I'm about to, about to dive off uh, on some things that maybe I, I'm not particularly qualified to go deep enough into, but it's where we got to get a little geeky, okay? We're going to get geeky on Greek. You with me? And so when in John chapter 1, it says the Word became flesh, and in 1 John 1, where John writes the Word of life, the Greek word for word is logos, okay? Are you with me? So in Jewish custom, Jewish custom, it wasn't uncommon, right? Everybody just kind of understood that when you wrote the Word, capital W, you were talking about God's, God's Word, His Scripture, talking about Scripture, the Old Testament, and that you couldn't separate that from God, that they go together, that, that God and His Word were inseparable. You, di- you don't pull those apart. That's what the Jews understood, so that if God said a thing, God was fully behind it. If God told you something, it, was, it wasn't debatable. It was of the Lord. And the Greeks had this idea, they had this idea of an infinite uh, 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 universal, um, oh, I better make reference to my note or I'll mess it up. Uh, it was this idea somehow, some way that there was a basis for organization and intelligence, the, the ultimate reason for what controlled all things, and they said that that was logos. So what John is trying to do is he's trying to connect the dots. It's like Mars Hill when Paul wrote, men of Athens, I can see that you're a religious people and that you have a statue to the unknown God, but I know who he is. And so John is, John is saying, he says, we've seen, we've touched We've heard, we've interacted. Two weeks ago when Joel was talking about the canon and how the, 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 the books of the Bible, it's closed. We're not adding any more to that. This is part of it. This is part of it. The, the reason why, the last book that was written in Revelation was written about A.D. 95, 96. It's closed because that's the end of the eyewitness accounts. So like when you guys are watching the History Channel, they say, hey, we found the Gospel of Thomas. The very first thing you're going to think to yourself is, Thomas, I recognize that name from the Bible. And then the next thing you're going to think is, when was that written? And when they tell you 375 AD, you're like, nope. See, that's the application of that. Or like when the Da Vinci Code, for all of you old enough, remember when the Da Vinci Code was out there and they were throwing out all these added books and extra stuff? The very first thing I thought of was like, well, when was that written? It was like written 675 years after, nope. You see? So what we have in Scripture in this blessed gift are people that were there, they heard, they saw, they touched, they interacted, they were part of all of these things. And then even then they were accused that it was a big cotton-picking lie. But they believed it so very much that our Bible, God's Word, is sealed with the blood of those eyewitnesses. What a gift. 
God desires a relationship. He's given us his word, and he's done those things, not only that we might have a relationship with him, that we might know him, but that he's given us of himself as it is so that we might understand what was also made manifest to the disciples has been made manifest to us. When John writes in 1 John chapter 1, uh, verse 2, he says, he says that you might have proclaimed to you eternal life, eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest manifest to us that we might have seen, heard, proclaimed to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. There's this picture of this great continuity. And this continuity isn't just that we all agree, we all agree, we all agree, but the uniting that as we look forward in the articles to come, we're going to see in in, uh, article... Uh, six, we're going to see the role and person of the Holy Spirit. When we look at article, well, next week in article three, we're going to see the condition of man. We're going to see in article four, the, the gospel and the difference that it makes in this continuity that weaves and works through all of those things is, of course, our first article, which is God, who draws all men to himself, who leads and guides and establishes those things for the select and specific purpose that we might have a relationship with him. And that in that relationship, the same spirit Remember when, when Joel was talking about inspiration, God breathed in through human, what Peter says, no man had up, made up his mind to write scripture, but God worked in and through their life experiences to give us this gift. And the same spirit that was at work in them to pen the original writings that were given to us and which we now have copies of, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that spirit comes into our life. And now our, the spirit that is inside of us testifies with the truth of God's word and comes alive. And that illumination then is then sparked, stirred by the willingness of the believer to surrender their old way of thinking for what was just illuminated to them in obedience and an application, a growing fellowship with God himself. I think it was three, four weeks ago I told y'all, I said, uh, I grew up in a, home where I never doubted the Bible. I never doubted that God exists. Go like this if you were like that. Yeah. I never doubted that God exists. I never doubted that the Bible was true. I I had become pretty proficient and an expert in all things kind of church. What I mean by that is is I I knew all of the, the things we did on Sunday. I mean, in full disclosure, but God, please forgive me, I would parrot, right? I would say before the pastor would say it, I would say what he was going to say, and then I felt like the whole congregation was repeating after me. I was pretty good at it, right? Until you become an acolyte, and you're lighting the candles, and you're over there, and your mother busts you for, you know, she caught me with, you know, lipping, all of that stuff, and that was, yeah, anyway, I digress. Fast forward through my church graduation, and I'll call it that, and I can share more personally with you, but I kind of reached the spot where I thought, you know, hey, I can recite everything. I'm pretty well done now. You know, thought I had it all, and then you go into college, and I got to college, and you do what college, some college students do. This is, this is the part of the story where I'm creating a testimony of myself, and the condition of man that we're going to study next week. <laughs> yeah, and uh, John Boy was not conducting himself in appropriate ways, but at any rate, while standing at the bar rail waiting for another beverage, I uh, got into an argument with a gentleman who was berating Christianity. To which this is never the time or the place to do it. But here's the awful and her- heretical response that came out of my mouth. And, and this, is, this is a true story. At that moment, I said to that guy, I said, hey, slow down. 
you're messing with my self-truth. And see, and we've been saying as we were going through, uh, you know, uh, as we go through the Bible, as we study the character of God, as we were really, there's only one truth, right? And who owns that? God. But we have it in our mind some way, somehow, that we can, we can collect the bits and pieces that make the most sense to us. We can make God what we want Him to be. Right? Matter of fact, that's where most people will object and argue about things. They have a misconception of who God is, or they somehow think that God is unfair, or that God did something wrong, and so they make accusation about Him instead of diving in and spending any amount of time to discover why or what or who or what. Right? A recent study came out and found that most, most teenage kids really in the, in the world love Jesus. You know what they don't like? Church. And I think that experience, uh, excuse me, that statistic has some, has some, I'm losing everything, has some validity to it. So in the application of these things, if you would, and if, if I, okay, <clears throat> yes, the rumor's true. My wife signed me up for Facebook. Okay? So you get a friend request. It's, it's me. I, I didn't, I, I don't know. I still don't even know how that works. I spent most of the, last night confirming people that are asking to be my friend. You know what's really sad? Is all those people are just my wife's friends that feel bad for me. You know, it's, let yourself feel bad for John. You know what's even more sad? I'm okay with that. <laughs> She's popular. But the fact of the matter, I'm, I'm not techie enough, right? So as I said to somebody this morning about the very first post I tried to do, it's going to be an abject disaster. And if you're offended, please you come find me. I didn't mean to do it. Okay? But what I would like to have done is, is to, have this, to, to have this chart that over here is God infinite, holy, and perfect, and everything we've studied about him, who he is, and righteous, powerful, through him and by him, all things were created, and, and all the things that we've learned and are going to continue to learn as we go through the article, right? And over here is us, and we're not that. Yet we think we got it in us to decide who he is, and what he should do, and where he should be, and all of those things that go along with it, but really what he wants to do, and the very reason why he's given us this gift and so that who God is and who we are revealed here, inspired by God, protected by God, given by God, used by God to infuse into our life the very connecting point that we might have fellowship and united with Him, calls us to remain here. And that it's not acceptable to say, well, I believe in God and I want all of the good stuff, but then on Monday, I'm going to do my own thing. That what God did in my own life was graciously and wonderfully permitted a crisis. A crisis! To which every one of us would go, yay! But what that crisis did was disbanded everything I thought I knew and all of the trusted resources that I had previously held, and I set them all aside, but for one thing. 
I was done believing what good intended people told me. And I was going to seek what God had to say in his word. And you know what I found? Truth. More beautiful than I could ever ask or imagine. More profound, more freeing, more wonderful, more hope-inspiring, more joy. And she let God be God. His word be true. And then all of a sudden, instead of trying to form the God that you want him to be, by letting him be who he is, you experience something more. That sparked a journey that continues to this day. And for those of us, right, who've spent some time in this ministry we call Rock Haven, we've each of us had an encounter with someone who says, what is it that's different about what you're doing? What's going on in that church? It's this. It's this. We're not going to add anything to them. We're not going to take anything away. And I can tell you on certain Sundays when I come across something in God's Word that I know is going to be tough for some of you to hear, I weep and I cry and I ask God for help because I can't change His Word. I have to share it. But then what you guys have to do, if God has given us this gift and then by His Spirit He calls us to Himself and then that same Spirit testifies to His truth, we got to read it. And then we got to be honest with each other that sometimes we don't understand all of those parts. But did you see what John said? He says it's not only that you have fellowship with God, but that we have fellowship with each other. And we can talk about these things as we wrestle through what it means to apply it. We call this abiding. Spending time with God in His Word and in prayer. Growing. So that this becomes the governance and the authority of everything that we ask and believe and think. Some of you say, well, nowhere in the Bible is going to tell me what color car to buy. <sighs> You're right. And nowhere in the Bible will it tell you to take job A or job B. And nowhere in the Bible will it tell you that you should move to this town or retire to that town. But what it will do is tell you the difference that God has made in your life. How he wants you to conduct yourself for your own joy. But not that you keep it as, a, as something stingy unto yourself. But for the way he wants to use you in the lives of other people. So it doesn't matter if you have job A or job B. God wants to use you as a light in both of those places, if you let him. It doesn't matter if you live in town A or town B. God wants to use you as a difference maker in the lives of those who are also seeking him. And how do I know all of that? Because he told us. Now, since he's so very faithful, may we be found faithful to abide in him. Bring your team up. Went to the kitchen to get a cup of coffee. Grabbed this cup. I thought I stole Joel's cup. I said, Joel, I borrowed your cup. He says, it's not my cup. I said, oh no, do I have Jason's cup? <laughs> it is now my cup. <laughs> Each and every person in this room has a story that begins with this. God loves you. Jesus wants a relationship, which to some of you may sound as foreign, 
right, as being friends with the king of England. But it's real because he gives us of himself. And he wants to show us wonderful things, things of him, not just in this life, in the life to come. Sometimes we get all bent out of shape because we think that the value of what we're doing here is only the future. But he's given us his word so we might know him now. And as rocky as the world is at times, as hostile as the world is at times, isn't it nice to know that God loves us? He's given us his word. And if you want to experience the joy that John talked about, peace, hope, spend time in his word. Shut out the noises of the world. Spend time in the relationship. Spend time in the Bible. And when you have questions, let's talk about it. All to celebrate him. And may the God who called us each and every one to himself, may he keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, now and always.